us off. Dude, don't worry about it. I know how we can make your money back. This is a nice hotel, you know, plenty of amenities. We just load up on those, like those apples. Instead of taking one, um, I take six. Great, at $100 an apple, we're there. Come on, you, you get the idea. Uh, you know, we'll make our money back in no time. Dude, you're shaking. I think it's the sugar. Could you hold the apple? <laughs> Hi, this is Ross Geller in suite 206. Um, I seem to have forgotten a couple of things. Could, could you have some complimentary toiletries sent up to my room? <laughs> Thank you. Okay, uh, toothbrush, toothpaste, razor, mouthwash, deodorant, dental floss, band-aids, shaving cream, aftershave. And I feel like I'm forgetting something. Um, is there anything else you, you have that I haven't asked for already? Yeah, go ahead, set up some tampons. What'd you get? USA Today. Nice. Put it with the others. And I also got two more apples. We're four short of a bushel. God, I feel so alive. I love being in the country. Also got these great salt and pepper shakers from the restaurant. Oh, that's not cool. Dude, none of this is cool. Chandler, you, you have to find the line between stealing and, and taking what the hotel owes you. Um, for example, a hair dryer, no, no, no. But shampoos and conditioners, oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> now, the, the salt shaker is off limits, but the salt? <laughs> I wish I'd thought this through. I think I get what you mean, though. Like, the, the lamp is, uh, is the hotel's, but the bulbs... Oh, you already got that. Not my first time in a hotel, my friend. <laughs> okay, uh, how about this? No, 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 you can't take the remote control. Yes, but the batteries. <laughs> thank you, thank you very much. Ooh, let's, let's celebrate with some maple candy. No! <laughs> At least tell me where you hit it. So in 1994, when I was a, a junior in high school till, till I was from 17 years old to 27 years old, that, that show was Thursday nights for me. That was like a show that formed me. Like some of you, you're like, that was The Office. Some of you are a little bit older. You're like, that was Cheers or that was MASH. Or some of you are a little bit younger. Uh, that was The Office or whatever it is that's come after that. Well, now it's all Netflix, so it's all different now. But for me, that show, Friends, was one that just... It literally was a must-see TV Thursday nights before DVR. Like you actually had to be home when the show was on to be able to remember those days. It's a little bit different then. But that scene right there uh, is, for me, top three or four scenes of that entire series. Ten, ten years of that show, that one is, is to the top of mind. And Chandler and Ross, they're on a trip. They're going to Vermont. And they get there, and they realize that the reservation that they thought that they had made, they didn't make. And so they're trying to find any hotel room that they can find in the whole joint, and they realize that the only one that's left is the executive suite, and it's going to be $600 a night. To, to them, that's, that's ridiculous. And it's too far for them to drive back and then drive back, and so they realize that they're going have to have to make it, and they realize that they're, they're being ripped off. But then Ross has this genius of an idea that maybe if they start taking the things that they're owed, that somehow they can make up the difference. And you saw it right there in that clip that Ross says, you know, there's a difference, there's a difference between stealing, 
There's a difference between taking what is not yours, taking what is not uh, supposed to be yours, and taking what, what you're owed. There, there's a word for that. It's living life where we feel like we're, we're entitled to something. Like, like this is what, what's okay, and this is what, what, what I, I'm able to take because if I'm going to be honest, I, I, whoever I am, I deserve that. Like the world owes it to me. I'm entitled to it. This place, the hotel owes it to me. They're making so much. So I have to desperately do whatever I can to make, to make sure it's even. As, as long as I'm not crossing the line. And, and sure, it might not be at a hotel with Ross and Chandler, but but certainly it's somewhere in your life. Were you on that line? Of saying, Here, here's, here's where, and I want to make sure, I want to make sure I get what I deserve, because if I don't, then I'm being cheated. Then I'm missing out. Then maybe other people are winning, and I feel as if I'm, I'm losing, and so I'm going I'm, I'm to do whatever I can to make sure I hoard whatever it is that I can to make sure that nobody else is getting more than me. It happens all the time. It happened, happened to us as a family yesterday. My son, Trey, he had a basketball tournament in Pella. It was, this is embarrassing. We've lived here uh, 13 and a half years, and we had never been to Pella before. That's, I know, what? That's crazy. It's embarrassing to say, that's the coolest town. I, that's just, you're entering into a whole new world. I don't know if that's good or bad, but it's a whole new world. And so we were there, and when, when we were going there, everybody told us, if you go to Pella, you have to go. There's this bakery. That, you guys, what bakery is it? I know. Everybody knew about it. We didn't know about it. So we, we had three games. There was an hour between each game, and so we decided that we we're going to go as a family. Uh, during, between the second and the third game, we we're going to go to this bakery. Uh, and people had told us, like, here are all the things that you, you have to make sure that you get. And I thought to myself, we're not bringing a semi. We're bringing a phone, a, a car. We can't fit all of this in. And so we walk into the, the, the bakery, and the line my goodness, the line was so long. I, it felt like Black Friday in the bakery. And so we walk in there, and we're like, ooh, the line is too long. And there's this woman in front of us. She said, oh, this is actually a pretty short line. And I said, how long is this, is, is this going to take us? And the woman behind us, uh, she actually is from Pella, but she worships with us online. So, hello. She said, oh, no, it, it'll go by in no time. But trust me, it's worth it. So we're going through the whole thing, and we get to the front, and we start to look, and we ask the person that's behind the counter that's wearing the cool little hat. We ask them, like, what is it that we need to get? And we, we started to, we got more food than we would, we'd ever need. Like, we're thinking to ourselves, like, if we were to eat all of this, they would need to take a crowbar and pry us out of our vehicle. Like, that's not, it's not good, it's not healthy. But what happened? We got into the car, we start going back to the gym, and what breaks out in the vehicle? What breaks out in the vehicle is an argument to make sure that everything that each, I would say just child was going to be given, but it was all of us, to make sure that we all got a fair amount. We wanted to know what the line was. How do I make sure that you're not getting more of a Dutch letter than I'm getting? How do I make sure that I'm at those little cherry little like donut hole things with, it's probably an insult to call it a donut hole, but that's what it looked like. How do I make sure if I get four, you get four. If you get four and a half, I'm going to be upset because I feel like you're stealing from me. 
because we want to know where it is that, that we stand. Like we have this, this, this way of looking at life, not just on a TV show on, that used to run on Thursday nights and it's on every single hour on TBS and not just when you go to a bakery in Pella, but, but in life. We look, we look at everybody else and, and we say if, if they get more, if they're recognized more, if they're allotted more, then, it, then it's not fair. And I'll do whatever it is that I can do to make sure, no, no matter what the means is, no matter what means it comes by, I'll do whatever I can to make sure that, that I even the score, that I get what I deserve, that I get what I, as a, as a human being, I'll make sure I get what I'm entitled to. How does that work Do you feel maybe that the comparison game that goes on in, in culture, do you think that it's helping us? Or maybe, or maybe are we chasing the wrong things? Now, now, I'm not saying that a Dutch letter is bad. My goodness, it changed my life yesterday. <laughs> but is it the thing? This series that that we're in and that we're almost coming to a close on, the Ten Commandments in nine weeks. I can't tell you how many people have come up to me and said, you know what, when we were going into this series, I thought, what are you going to talk about Ten Commandments for nine weeks for? Isn't it going to get a little bit boring, a little bit dry? And, and every single one of those people said, it's, it's been incredible. Because God doesn't tell us to do things because God doesn't want us to, like, not be able to experience life. He wants to let us know where we stand. And he, and he wants us to know how to do life. I mean, when we, when we turn to God and we, we start to, to allow the one who created the heavens and earth and, and put the whole thing into motion, we, when we start to look at what, what, what he has to say, it, isn't it interesting how it makes a lot of things in life make a lot more sense? <laughs> Whether we want it to make sense that way or not, it allows us to know where we stand. That's why I'm so excited about this, this next year. Mike talked about it last week in his message. We, he wrote about it in his weekly email. But next, next year, we're, we're going to, January through December, we're going to spend the whole year and we're going to walk through Scripture. We're going to read the whole Holy Bible in 12 months. And on the weekends, we're going to go through the New Testament, but there's going to be companion things that come out. So if you, if you want to read just, just the New Testament, you can do that. We'll provide you a daily reading plan. If you want to do the, the New Testament plus the Old Testament, get through the, the entirety of Scripture, you'll have the opportunity to do that. And we don't do that because somehow we're going to win a prize. We do that because it, it allows us to know which way to go. In Psalm 119, your word, God's word, God's way of, of, of how we do life is, is a lamp to guide my feet and it's a light for my path. We have, this, we, we have this way sometimes of, 
of maybe, or maybe somebody has had a way of telling us that at one point in our lives that, that if we do things God way, that so, God's way, that some, somehow it's like we have this God who's angry. He's not. He's not. Or we have a God who is kind of like, like, like a buzzkill. He's not. Who just wags his finger and, and, and longs to find out all of the ways in which we get, get it wrong. No. I mean, look at what Jesus says. John chapter 10. Jesus says, the reason that I've come. Whoa. That was just a preview. John says, Jesus says in John chapter 10, I've come, I've come, I've come so that you would have life. And, and not some like kind of, kind of, kind of sliver of life. Not from a scarcity, mind, scarcity mindset, abundant life. And one of the ways that God points us to that is in this seventh commandment. Now chances are before this series started, if I were to ask you, hey, could you tell me all the ten commandments? Some of you would say, absolutely, memorized all of them. Some of you would say, I don't know, not really, but I could probably name four for you. If that's you, chances are the four that you, or three of the ones that you would know is you'd say, yeah, I know the one about adultery, which is what we talked about last week. I know the one that you're not supposed to kill people, which is what we talked about two weeks ago. And I know that there's one about stealing. God says, Exodus chapter 20, do not steal. And sometimes we, we think that do not steal is just literally what it, what it means to like, I'm not going to like be a kleptomaniac or I'm not going to be somebody who's just going to like steal packages off of somebody's doorstep or I'm not going to be somebody that's going, going to do this really obvious kind of stuff. But the beauty of God's commandments is they aren't just a list of thou shall nots. What they are is they're descriptors of the kingdom of heaven. So here's what God's saying uh, when he says do not steal. He's saying that in God's kingdom, you're safe and, and, and your possessions are safe. That, that you don't have to live, one, in fear of somebody else taking your stuff. But two, you don't have to live in fear that, that maybe that you don't have enough. So you'd have to take from somebody else. That maybe, maybe you have all that you need. Which feels a little bit risky saying that or even thinking that, doesn't it? Because when I say you have all that you need, you probably have a whole list of things that you're saying, oh, but you don't know me. Let me tell you all of the things that I don't have that I need. And so when God says that you and your stuff, you're safe, I don't know if I can trust that. So maybe I need to do whatever I can to, to get what I don't have. When I was in fourth grade, my dad and I went to Shields. Many of you don't know that uh, Shields Sporting Goods actually started uh, in my hometown, Fargo-Moorhead. It started there. It wasn't always like a, this big, uh, gigantic store that had like a Ferris wheel in the middle or a huge tree in the middle or whatever it is. They had. It's like if you're going to look at Disney World on steroids in a sporting goods store, you look at Shields. It actually started as, as a hardware store. 
1902 is when it was started. And, and so in, in Fargo, where I grew up, there were six different shield stores. And they weren't like huge. They were just small local shops. So whenever we went to go get stuff that we needed for sports, we'd go to Shields. And so my dad and I went to Shields when I was in fourth grade because it, basketball was starting. And I was really cool, so I needed new tube socks. Because at that point you still pulled, well now they pull them up again. But it was before they pushed them down. At that point you still pulled them up and they, remember the big like lines on them? And you're like, you weren't cool at all. Let me tell you how cool I was. Like I would get the multicolored lines on mine. That cool. So my dad and I went to Shields. We went to go get uh, tube socks for basketball. And we're walking through Shields. We found them. And we're going to the cash register. And my dad handed me his 12 pack of socks. My dad handed me a $20 bill. And he said, hey. You pay for it. You get to keep the change. That was pretty awesome. I'm going to go get the car. I'm going to pull it up because it's, it's cold outside, which we can relate to. It is cold outside. It, on Thursday, it went from summer to winter in like 25 minutes. It was the craziest thing. And so he hands me his $20 bill. He goes out to the car, and I'm making my way up to cash register. And this was before, like, things happened magically on a cash register. So it was back in the day when you actually had to type it in. It was called a 10 key. A lot of you don't know, even know what I'm talking about. And people, some of you are accountants, are like, I could 10 key better than anybody else. Pride comes before the fall. Anyway, you had this 10 key and you did all of this stuff. And so I handed the, the, the socks and, and the cashier figured out how much it was going to be. And I'll never forget it because it came out, 12 pack of socks came out to $12.93. Which right now a 12 pack of socks would would cost you $112.93. <laughs> it's like they're making socks out of gold all of a sudden. So I hand her the $20 bill, making small talk, and she types in the $20, two zero, and then the double zero. And then she types in the price of the socks. And rather than typing in $12.93, she forgot a number and, and typed in $129. And I got so excited. And I started thinking to myself, dear God, if you are real, don't allow this woman to find out that she's making this mistake. Be and I know it was only going to be a difference of like $10. But I was a fourth grader. And the change was going to be mine. Like I had dreams of looking at my family and saying, dear family, I'm going to take you on a trip to Mexico. Like I don't know. And so like I started getting sweaty and I started thinking to myself, face don't fail me, face don't fail me, don't give it away, please let time go fast. And so then she got to the point where she, and I'm like, she's certainly going to figure out that she got it wrong. And she started to, to, to count out the change into my hand. And remember they used to count it up, up to the dollar amount. And so she goes through the whole thing and my hands are sweating and she's like, oh, are you nervous? And I'm like, no, you should be. I'm not nervous at all. Uh, and so she gets to it and I get the hand. I was wearing Bugle Boy sweatpants. I'll never forget about it, uh, which took away the coolness of the tube socks because I was wearing Bugle Boys. And so I take the, the money and I jam it into my pocket and I start like walking as calmly as I can to the door. And I get to the door, I open it and I beeline, I sprint to the car, I open up the door and I close it and my dad looks at me and he's like, what's up? I said, Dad, look at what I got. He said, what happened? I said, she made a mistake. Look at all of the money I have. And, she's, and he said, that's not yours. I said, finders, keepers, losers, weepers, Dad. And he said, you have to go give that back to her. I thought, who are you? Don't, Dad, 
This is mine. It's her, it's not my mistake, it's her mistake. He said, Jeremy, we don't do that. And I know that you might not understand. I said, no, I don't understand. I know that you might not understand it, but you need to go back and give it to her. Because, and I'll never forget this. What makes you think that you should profit over somebody else's loss? It's amazing the things that stick with you. And so I walk back into Shields, not happy at all. Didn't realize that something that happened almost 40 years ago in my life was going to help shape me. And I walked up to this cashier and I told her what had happened and she said, Aren't you such a nice, young, sweet boy? And I thought to myself, I am not at all. I don't want to be here at all. But we tend to do that a lot, don't we? As long as we're gaining, it doesn't matter who's losing. That's taking from others, which is not ours. Because we know that stealing is more than just about, about property. You know that. Because some of you, wherever it is that you're worshiping with us today, maybe it's here in West Des Moines, maybe it's at one of our local sites, maybe it's online. I'll never forget when... Somebody took my sense of safety. I'll never forget when somebody took that relationship from me. I'll never forget when my innocence was stolen from me. Why is it that we do that? I think it's because we have this awful way of starting to think that it's all about it's it's all about me. And what, what do we say all the time? Hurt people hurt people. And so maybe at the the very core and the foundation is this. This thought that creeps into so many of our, our minds that start, we start to wonder. We start to wonder, like, with, with where I am and with, with what I have, with, with where I find myself. And looking at everybody else and what, what, what they have and, and what wait, where they find themselves. I start to wonder, am I good enough? Do I have enough? Out of the box, am, am I even good enough? That Bible reading you heard read for you just a few minutes ago. This is what Jesus is getting at. Not to take life, but to secure life. Jesus says at the end of that passage, and and I'll get to the earlier parts later, but but we need to start here. Jesus says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. 
where you place and where you look to, to, to find that which you perceive to be the most valuable thing. That's where, that's where you're going to find your heart. And, and when Jesus is saying this, he's not just talking about the, the physical heart that we have that beats and pumps blood through our lives. The, the sentiment of this is, is that's where you're going to try to look for your source of life. Where your treasure is, that's where you're looking for life. And when we think about all of this, we realize that at the foundation of this, what we would say this such a, a simple commandment, it's, it's more of a matter of our hearts. And it's a matter of what we see as treasure. And I wonder what that is for you. I mean, it could be something nuanced and nuanced in a way that it could be different for almost every single one of us. But we say, if only I had, that becomes what we place as our source of life. Our son Trey, he, uh, one of the things that's just absolutely amazing about him is he, this kid loves shoes more than anybody I've ever met in my life. Like I'm a clearance rack kind of guy. Like I go Nord Nordstrom Rack and I don't go anywhere but clearance. Like I want them cheap and I want them comfortable and that's, that style is way down on the list for me. But for my son Trey, like he looks at shoes and like we'll meet somebody and be like, hey, do you know that that person did this? He's like, dad, did you see their shoes? <laughs> what? Like football season this year, he's like, dad, have you seen the new Nike Vapors? And I'm like, well, why are they Vapors? Like, don't you want actual shoes? Like, but that's so important to him. And it's not a bad thing. It's just the way that God wired him. But this year going to basketball season, he like, said to, to Bridget, I, mom and dad, I need the LeBron 19s. And so that, that's what I want. And the problem is, is that over the course of this fall, he's gone from kid sizes Tell me about it. To adult sizes. So a kid size, LeBron 19, still way, way too important. If you're spending over 55 bucks for shoes, you're looking in the wrong place. Kid sizes, $75. And you're like, oh, that stinks. But Matt, we can make it work. Adult sizes, it costs a kidney. That's what it costs. Like, leave it at the door. <laughs> you can have it. And we're like, we are, we're not spending, we're not spending that kind of money on basketball shoes. Look, look, you needed to get new football shoes halfway through the year. That's how much you're growing. Do you not know that you will grow through these shoes possibly before basketball's over? He says, I just, I just need them. And then he said, I'll give anything for them. They get money, they have, first part of their money needs to go to give. Second part of their money needs to go to save. And then they have money that, within reason, they can spend on whatever it is that they want. And he's like, oh, I'll spend, I'll spend all of it just to get these shoes. It's like, man, you're, 
they're going to get too small. They're going to wear out. The LeBron 20s are probably going to come out. But, but wouldn't it be the same for the treasures that some of us have that aren't shoes? Isn't it? I mean, it's, it's, it's funny to laugh. Oh, yeah, well, shoes aren't that important. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, we just had the Velcro things. That car, it's not, there's nothing bad about these shoes. There's nothing bad about that car. But can it be your source of life? Back to last week, that relationship. You're willing to do anything to take from someone. Can you be your source of life? Jesus goes on in, in Luke chapter 12. He, he says, look to things that are going to last. He says, the purses of heaven, things that are eternal, they're not going to get old. They're never going to develop holes. That they'll be safe. There's no risk in it. No thief can steal it and no moth can destroy it. And maybe the temptation we have with stealing and maybe why God talks about it is because he knows the inclination of the human heart and how fickle it can be. And what he's saying to us is live for things that are going to last. It's in the beginning of John's gospel. There's a story of a, of a guy by the name of Philip. And Philip uh, is a follower of John the Baptist. He's following John the Baptist. And one day they're at the River Jordan. And, and John looks out to the horizon. And, and he sees Jesus coming. And he, and he looks and he points out to the horizon. And he says, look, the, the, the Son of Man, who, the Lamb of God, who's going to take away the sin of the world. And Philip has this encounter with Jesus that changes his life. And so he goes and he, and he finds his friend Nathaniel. John chapter 1. He finds his friend Nathaniel. And he knows that Nathaniel's been looking for things in so many different places. And he knows that there's a hole that exists in Nathaniel's heart. And Philip wants to tell his friend, like, hey, I found it. I found the one. You need to come and see. You need to come and see. And, and Nathaniel, can't, he can't understand and comprehend how that could ever satisfy this. And I think that that's the way that it's easy for, for, for not just some people to feel. I think that's, it's easy for all of us to feel. So you're, you're telling me, live for the things that last. But how can that satisfy this deep need that I feel? Yeah, how, can that, how can that be? And Philip says to Nathaniel, Nathaniel, you need to come and see. Open your heart to it. Jesus says in, in Luke chapter 12, he says, look, look at the lilies of the field. Other gospels, he says, look at the lilies of the field. Look, look at the birds of the air. I mean, it's kind of almost ridiculous to say this, but... What a, what a genius Jesus is. 
as he's telling this story. He says, look, look, at, look at the lilies and, and then the other place, look at the birds. They don't have to do anything. And they have everything that they need. And how much more would God do it for you? It's one of the things that I have to remind myself. Say it to myself all the time. We have a how much more God. Because I can get so locked in and say, in order, in order for me to be this, then I need to get that. And I can hold on to that so tightly. And I forget that, that if I were to make the list of all the things that I need in order for me to feel like I'm, I'm enough or I'm good enough or I have enough, Jesus is saying, how much more, Jeremy, do I want to give you? Look at the lilies of the field. Beautifully clothed. And then think about you. And how much, how much God loves you. Jesus says that, he says that's, that's why for, for all of us, we need to seek his kingdom first. I mean, I mean first. And I'm not undermining and minimizing many of the places where so many of us feel so much scarcity. But I'm saying that even if we had all of that and we didn't have Jesus, would it matter? Eternally? I don't think that someday when I am reunited with my son in heaven, because at some point, physically, I'm not going to be here any longer. And someday, it's not being morbid, it's being honest. And someday, physically, he's not going to be either. And I don't think that when we are united again in heaven, he's going to say, Look at the LeBrons. <laughs> because we're going to be face to face with Jesus. Seek the kingdom of God above everything else. And you'll start to recognize and realize that he's given, he's given you everything that you need. You read through the Gospels and you read through the stories, the early parts of the Gospels where Jesus is calling his disciples. I don't know if we spend enough time and, and really, really give credence and, 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 and to look at it honestly enough to, that when Jesus looks at the, the disciples, he says, come and follow me. They didn't say, hey, could you hold on a minute because how many suitcases can I bring? Is there extra charge for a carry-on? No, it says the disciples, they dropped everything and they followed him. And I think we need to be honest that that probably felt quite risky for them. They're like, uh, uh, I don't, I don't. But, they, but, they, but they followed him and, and what Jesus promised to them was realized that 
Well, they had a collision not just with God's kingdom, but with God himself. Like Philip invited Nathaniel to experience for himself. Take a look. What did you say about me? What is this? How do you know me? I have known you long before Philip called you to come and see. Don't look at him, look at me. When you were in your lowest moment, and you were alone, I did not turn my face from you. I saw you under the fig tree. I knew it. Did you see the change? When all of a sudden Nathaniel realized that every desire of his heart was filled when he encountered the love that Jesus had for him. And the same is true for you. When we boil it down, sometimes we, 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 we put these things as, as, as being so important. It doesn't mean that they're bad. We just make them so important. And we say, I'll do anything to take those things. But when we realize the, the greatest needs that we have in life, it's not our things, is it? M maybe you're here and you're like, you know what? I just need to be loved. I feel like, I feel like nobody has ever been able to love me for me. Well, Jesus says, no, that's not true because even though your human relationships may fail, I never will. Because I love the world so much that I came for you. Maybe you say, yeah, that's great, but I just need to know that somehow what I did or what I've done that that's not going that mistake that I made that misstep that happened that that's not going to to be the thing that's going to define what's possible for me and what's available to me and Jesus says it won't because you're forgiven maybe he said you know I just feel like I've never I've never had a place and and Jesus says to you but you're God's child See how much our Father loves us, 1 John chapter 3, because he calls us his children. That's exactly who we are. Maybe you always have felt like you've been the person that's always been stepped over for everything in life. And Jesus says to you, no, I see that you're, you're more than enough because of Christ who lives inside of you. You're worthy. 
You're not somehow a sum total of, of all of the, the things that you've done and to, to build up a resume that somehow makes you to a point where then people will say that you should be counted for something. No, out of the box because you've been created in God's image, you, you're worthy. And in all due respect, if people don't see that in you, that's their deal, not yours. Because this one's not up for debate. Luke chapter 15, you're, you're so priceless that God's willing to leave the 99 in pursuit of you. Like the 99 who have never left his side, God says, no, I'm willing to leave them because you're so priceless that I'm not willing that one would be away from me. And hear this. You're filled with the Spirit. The presence of God in the present tense. The fullness of God in the fullest sense. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from death to life. Because of his love for you. Doesn't, that same spirit doesn't hover over you. It doesn't kind of like surround you. No, better than that, it lives inside of you. It brings you alive. To be able to know that where you stand is good because God's standing with you. You see, so often the, the, the reason why, why we steal and why we take or why people steal and why, why people take is because they're looking for these and things that can't give it. <laughs> and God has it in spades. It's the firm foundation. That's the rock on which we stand. Nothing this side of heaven can give us that, but Jesus gave us that. Don't miss it. Jesus says the, the, the wise builder doesn't build the house on the sand. The wise builder builds his life on the solid rock. And though the winds may come and may, though the, the storms may rage, because of that firm foundation, we will not be shaken. We know it happens. Storms come. And maybe you're in the middle of it right now. But know that you have all that you need. Because you have the Savior of the world who looks at you and says, come, come to me. Follow me. Do life with me. So I'm going to invite you to stand. I'm going to turn it over to the campuses. But we're going to sing about that love. To my conviction, this is my favorite, my favorite worship song right now. So let these truths be the ones that send you out on this week. Amen? Amen.